Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When it's bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, three balls, two strikes. You know the importance of home and keeping it protected. That's why this week's sponsor on the Bloom Files are our sponsors over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too. Why am I turning British? It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Play ball. is out there in here who knows but either way we are opening up the bloom files here on post show recaps and x-files first watch flash rewatch podcast batter up everyone it's me mike bloom you're in a goofy mood today i, I, I mean that's i think my mo but we got a couple of goofy episodes of the x-files good good goofy episodes yeah not, not bad goofy i would say the first one wasn't necessarily goofy but it was a little weird. Yeah, I mean, goofy, weird, it's two sides of the same coin, relatively speaking. So we are continuing our voyage through season six of The X-Files as we are covering episode 13, Aguamala, and episode 19, The Unnatural. Two very different episodes, but having the same common denominator, the name Arthur <laughs> Dales. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I just totally forgot that that was a thing that happened for the X-Files, that they had to do this little switcheroo Yeah, so we... we should- and I never looked into it. I was just like, oh, he has a brother named Arthur Dales. But like, yeah, just up front, we're going to talk a little bit about the Arthur Dales of it all. So yeah. in the first episode, Aguamala... Uh, Arthur Dales calls the agents because he's living down in Florida, as right. you do when you're retired, and there's something fishy going on. Or something pun, jellyfishy. Jellyfishy going on. So he calls them, and that's like all you really see of him. And then at the end of the episode, he hears that like they solved the murder, and that's it. Right. He really, <laughs> after Travelers, which was like his big episode, right, in both the old and the new. Yeah, I'm not sure the reason why they brought him in here, just maybe to have him there i'm not maybe because he was coming up in the unnatural and they had already booked him and they were like we want to inter- reintroduce him softly yeah. so that being said uh they did the unnatural they brought in arthur dale's put they meant to put him back in washington dc but the actor who played him what it was like two or three days into filming and yes. he suffers a stroke yeah so he suffers a stroke um this was the original Arthur Dales, played by David McGavin, mm. um, appears in Shooter this. McGavin. <laughs> sure. Um, and then after stru- suffering a stroke, after a few days of filming The Unnatural, they have to replace him. And then they have to come up with a reason as to why it's a different actor, because they've already filmed all of the parts with younger Arthur Dales. And called him specifically Arthur Dales. Yeah, many times. They talk about, they say Arthur Dales over and over and over again. So they basically had to reshoot all of the stuff with Mulder and old Arthur Dales. Right. And so they, they hire, um, somebody else who is Emmett Walsh, mm-hmm. um, who's a very funny actor, by yeah. the way. I think he makes a much 
better. He, you know, he resembles Dales. more so to me. Um, who's the actor who plays the dad in Home for the Holidays? <laughs> yes, like very that, much that's so. What, that's what this version <laughs> got that vibe. That like kind of weird weirdo bumbling yes, vibe. Yeah, more so like the frumpy old man than I feel like Arthur Dale's 1.0, which was more yeah of like, conspiracy theorist exactly. type of guy. But anyway, so they have to. They basically decide that they're going to call him Arthur Dale's brother and explain <laughs> it away by their parents being lazy and naming them both Arthur. <laughs> yeah, but are there are they twins? No. Okay, that would be even worse. I, I mean, maybe they are. They don't say. Maybe they Arthur. Uh, that would be just so a at Christmas when you're like Arthur, bring me the turkey. They both pop up. Well, I guess. Is one named Arthur and one named Artie? It's actually a really efficient strategy as a parent. I guess so, yes. (laughs) If you're like, oh, my damn lazy kid won't do it. If I say the name Arthur, I know that at least one of them will be listening. (laughs) I guess so. It just creates a lot of confusion. It really does. Record keeping. And look, I understand the usage behind it, but I... No, there was a different way they could have explained it. I mean, I cannot lie and say, I know we're not going to talk about the unnatural until a little bit, but it was maybe... I would just say one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was also just a really, frankly. really hard way to start such a good episode for me because I was yeah. like, I really hope this doesn't taint his view of the episode because I do think it ends up being one no. of the better episodes we've seen. I love it. It was it's one of my favorite episodes that I've seen so far. And maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, fitting that we, we are wanting to get to it first because we first have Aguamala, which I don't think is bad. Um, it, it wasn't one of my favorites. No, I think it's the good thing about Aguamala, I will say, is that it is, uh, like, comes back to a very standard prototype of season yes. one and season two. So I think it's important to watch here just from a pers- not important, but fun to watch here just because it, it is so, it's less heavy than the other ones. There's less, uh, like, overarching drama, like, yeah. whatever. I find it to be just, kind of a fun little bottle episode. I'm just not a huge fan of survival horror as a genre, and this is sort of what we get in this episode, right? Like, I thought you were going to say you're not a huge fan of Survivor, and I was like, oh! This is a lie. <laughs> I'm the alien the entire time. That's oh, you're you also know. not a big fan of the water. I'm not a big fan of the water either, yeah. Uh, so suffice it to say, like, I wouldn't want to move down to Florida, and if the entire episode is like, hey, there's something in the seawater that's going to Yeah, that's pretty creepy. You. I'm not a big fan of the ocean water either, just because it's it's icky. It makes you icky sandy. I mean, not sandy, more so salty. It's gross. I feel icky after I go in the water. Yeah. I need a nice pool environment mm-hmm. where I can see my feet. I will also say this episode has an odd structure to it. Like Very much so. For first, again, for a survival horror-esque episode, the first half of the episode really isn't that. Uh, you know, because it's eventually going to get to a point where it's like, Mulder and Scully are trapped in this apartment mm-hmm. complex with this group of zany And somebody's having a baby. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought we'd get to that much sooner, but yeah. we have a whole big setup in the first half of the episode before well, we even get and there. and apparently the original idea for the episode featured um, a monster on the loose in an abandoned gold mine. An abandoned gold so mine? I re- and I, I, don't, I didn't look it up too much. I just kind of read that snippet and was like, okay, but I don't really know how you got from abandoned gold mine to a hotel in Florida <laughs> or apartment <laughs> complex in Florida. Mine? Who's uh, going to a gold mine nowadays? Who's to say? Um, anyway. Well, we should talk about talking about timeliness. Uh, we happened to watch this episode, what, like, like days after? Two days after Hurricane Henri arrived at our doorstep. Yeah. Henri. <laughs> so we start, anyway start in the middle of the fracas we have this lady we start in the middle of a family death <laughs> yeah so we have this lady and her teenage son evan mm-hmm. uh they are just like drenched in water the dad is missing they're trying to like move the washing machine right yeah why are they trying to move the washing machine again i think it's because like they're they're trying to like crush the creature or and things are things are flooding from everywhere I so i think they're because they're in the laundry room and mm-hmm. you see stuff come up through the oh the drain. i see so they're gonna cover the drain with the washing machine maybe something like that but when they try to we see tentacles tentacles i will say actually the effects yes. on the tentacles are really well done it's a cool idea this creature that is sort of translucent and so kind of blends in with the water. Yeah, and I do think these are probably f- practical effects. I would like to imagine so, yeah. Otherwise, at this uh, time, they're just not advanced technology enough for them to, like, look realistic if they were CGI. No, no, no. I mean, Maybe uh, it's a combo platter. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe when the tentacle 
grab someone, it's practical, but mm-hmm. when it's just like wriggling in the light, it's CGI. Yeah. So, also, what's confusing about this is that I guess, our, guess Arthur Dales is living in Florida now. Yeah, they don't really talk about that. I wonder why he decided for whatever reason. Is it because he had that first run-in with the Mulder and it's like, oh, God. Gotta go. Gotta go. There's the, My past is coming back to haunt me. Let me get out of here. But I'm going to leave my brother in Washington, D.C. In a slum. My exact same apartment with my exact same name. Yes. Do you think people retire to Florida nowadays? Yeah, I feel like it's more so the Carolinas now. Yeah, well, that's just because your mom wants to go to the Carolinas. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, Rob, quote unquote, retired, even though he's not retired. <laughs> no, um, I think that what people do is they spend summers here mm-hmm. and then they spend winters in Florida. Yeah, like, I know a few snowbirds people. snowbirds is what they call it. Yes, I know a few of my aunt's friends who have that and they have like an RV situation that they spend traveling the winter down to Florida in. And then they come back to their home up north. Right. So they're going to Florida, going to Florida, going to Florida now. Uh-huh. Uh, they end up arriving there. Surprise, surprise. Mulder brought Scully along because he like knew she could be useful, but he didn't tell her what was what. <laughs> she's also entirely skeptical of what Arthur yeah. Dales is bringing up. Because basically Arthur Dales, uh, sort of in a Max like way, has like tapped into the CB radio frequencies, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, I've overheard on the police blotter that, like, something weird is going on in this hurricane. They arrive in the middle of the hurricane. Yeah, and so, correct me if I'm wrong, Arthur Dales does not live in the apartment complex that he, they no, go to. <laughs> basically, they end up getting strained. <laughs> Which, why? Why not just put him in the, like, I don't it's, it's get weird. it. There are, and that's another reason why this episode is a little confusing. It's because there are so many locations they go to in the first half of the episode, yeah, and they yeah. just stay in one location for the second half. Yeah, you'd think it would just stay in that one location. But anyway, they go to the Shipley house, the Shipleys. Because yeah, basically what he overheard on the police blotter was like, okay, this the Shipley family has gone missing, essentially. Yeah, and so they go to the house, and it's barricaded shut, but they can't find anybody. Um, and then they run into the deputy. They run into the deputy played by a very familiar face, especially to those that love the, the police things and the police things. things, And you know, you stare at him for a long time and you're like, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And I believe he plays. Scully. Scully. He plays Scully on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Which is funny. Yeah, now I'm wondering if that naming is coincidental. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he is one of the the big cast members on Brooklyn Nine-Nine playing the deputy here. Playing the deputy, R.I.P. deputy. Um, not not yet, at least. Though he's sort yet. of like uh, on sustained life support for the longest <laughs> yes. time. Um, so they run into him and, and he's just like, you guys gotta get out of here. And he tries to like take them down because he thinks they're burglars, which right. is always like the case and we get, when we get a bit of a slow exploration of the house right like they yes. find goo on the washing machine Mulder finds a cat in the washing machine which will be sort of like Chekhov's cat yes, later Chekhov's on Chekhov's cat and so yeah they uh, they basically like he, they run into this guy and they, they're like we're FBI don't worry we're allowed to be roaming around these people's houses and then he's like okie dokie well see you later and so they leave this is when Mulder starts to sort of opine about how perhaps there's a creature coming in from the deep ocean. <laughs> yeah, which is like, I don't know why he would think that right away. I but mean, he ends up being correct on it. He does. I, it's I a little bit... Uh, For a second, I was like, okay, is he being metaphorical here? But I guess looking back, he was being literal that like, oh, it's clearly some sort yeah. of sea creature is killing people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, good guess. <laughs> yeah, we get a pretty scary scene here, though, yes. as the officer or deputy goes into the laundry room. Mm-hmm. He finds like, here's some gurgling in the drain reaches his arm down and you think like oh this is it like he's mm-hmm. gonna get his arm ripped off but he finds the jersey of the most likely dead kid yeah which is rough <laughs> rough to see yeah very rough to see um Mulder and Scully try to leave but yeah, they trapped. find out that the road is washed out so they have to stay the night well I mean first of all it is raining an intense amount and yeah. they're going to the airport what's wrong with them like, do they think they're getting a plane? Well, they were. I they were able to get there though in the middle of the storm. Like, I guess, but you don't take off in an air ca- in, a, in a hurricane. Maybe like it's you're you're already in flight and you have to land. You can land, but it's no, yeah, no. I'm not sure. Well, remember we had this whole weather wizard thing right from a couple <sighs> episodes ago, where like they dealt with that. You think they know what can ground a flight and what can't? Truly, but. Either way, they're going to hear sort of over the radio of the cop that's telling them that the airport is closed. Yeah, and so they're they're sort of stuck there for the night. Meanwhile, the deputy is going to mm, pick mm-hmm. up a call for like, hey, there's someone whose power is out. Can you go check it out? Like yeah. Apartment complex. The condominiums. And so he goes to find what ends up being the super. 
Yeah. Uh, he basically like enters because he hears nothing and finds someone cocooned in goo <laughs> while sitting on the toilet. Yeah, basically like slimy jellyfish man on a toilet. Yeah, which I could imagine if you watch this at a young age creates a fear of sitting on a toilet. Of, yeah. Like, what will come and grab That you. never happened to me, but my sister saw what was it starship troopers mm-hmm. and the things that come out of the toilet the buggies that yeah. came out of the toilet she uh peter pants for like a month yeah i mean that she wouldn't go to the bathroom I feel like night. It's something out of like stephen king's dream catcher yeah as well there's something about you know why we let her watch toilet. that at such a young age beyond me i mean but... i'm talking to someone who's watched the you know the x-files at that impressionable age so yeah i guess that's true but yeah i mean i so i don't understand this because we know we see what happens when like the creature grabs someone why did why is he cocooned in in so i think i think this is what happens but it um like it feeds off of them and then it and and maybe it was just lower and then it like and then they basically turned into nothing interesting okay because this what this looked like more so to me was like oh this was almost like encased in amber like the mosquito Mm, in jurassic no i think it was like mid cycle of death (laughs) okay interesting but it's almost like a i don't know a fun modern art statue uh, and as the as the deputy leans in, the technical grabs him, yes. and that's kind of it for at least the conscious version of the deputy yeah, for so the they, rest of the episode. Yeah, and Mulder basically and Scully go to this complex, and you know they follow him there and discover him on the ground. Yeah, because I guess he gets away from the thing, but it had already like right. He pulled out his gun, but like it clearly had wrapped itself. Around. Yeah, and I guess maybe it's like what is it putting like its eggs inside of you or something, something like that. Uh, Scully. Hardcore triaging here, like goes straight into a tracheotomy. Yeah, I thought that was a little wild too. Having watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy lately, that that's not course, something you do uh, right I, off the bat. Medical expert on the podcast, Angela Bloom. Excuse you, um, but either way, based off of the series of events of when you give someone a tracheotomy or not, there's a few things you need to try first. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine like giving CPR. Yeah, probably one of them. She <laughs> like, goes, no, 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 trach him. <laughs> yeah, give me a pen. Let's uh, let's trach him. And so this is also when we run into the other denizens of this condo. Dougie. Do we, is that the name of the looter? That's the name of the, yeah, the guy who was like in there, yeah, looting because it's a hurricane. Uh, Dougie. Old Dougie. And then the other uh, group is a couple where it sort of is like this squabbling comic group. Uh, so it's Walter Suarez, whose girlfriend, Angela Villarreal, is nine months pregnant. Yes. People keep calling her Mrs. Suarez and she, she doesn't take care of I love that. Angela. I love all Angelas, but she's pretty funny. She's, she's very she, funny. I feel like once we meet her, the episode like really takes off. Well, especially since like basically her MO is to just like completely cut mm-hmm. her boyfriend till yeah. daylight come. But like, basically like he doesn't have a job. Uh, he's, you know, he has a pocket protector <laughs> on right now. Yeah. He's not going to do anything. Please help us because he can't help me. Yeah. And also this guy who's like a anti-government gun rights yeah, activist. Yeah, like one of those militia men, right? The, yeah. Like you can imagine. Second the, Amendment. You can imagine like the don't tread on me flag hanging off outside of his apartment. And he. Mulder yeah, don't ba- like that one. And don't Mulder like essentially him. wants to evacuate him and he refuses. Because it's against his rights. I do love the phrase, all the nuts roll down to Florida. It's a pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty damn good line. <laughs> all the nuts roll down to Florida. <laughs> And so everyone sans this guy end up gathering around the deputy. Yeah. They're able to sort of gather who wasn't able to evacuate. Uh, Scully has made a nice improvised mask with a bandana. Don't think it could get her. I think she looks cool, though. Yeah, it makes her look cool. I don't think she could get into a restaurant with that today. No, it's got an open bottom. For the time being, she looks like a, I don't know, it looks like she's going to rob a train. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, that guy... The gun guy refuses to follow them, but then he gets attacked. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then there's also something where they're like investigating the deputy and they find a tentacle in his neck. That's disgusting. So I guess it like implanted like its little seeds in its neck and now they're growing into like. Ugh, so weird. I guess he turned oh. into like a sea creature. He turned into like da- uh, Davy Jones. Yeah, they Piper pull it Caribbean. out and it's like a bad episode of like Dr. Pimple Popper. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what you said. I remember watching. Yeah, it, I'm, like, rec- I'm recalling it now and feeling, yeah, like, reaching, feeling unwell. Reaching into holes in people's bodies is just like not a great aesthetic. Things coming out. Oh, And still while all this is going on, Scully's like, well, I think a pipe just burst. Mm-hmm. You are pulling a tentacle out of someone's body. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Uh, meanwhile, old Dougie is gonna like because they put him in the bathtub because he's like burning up. Oh, right? the so deputy! They, yeah, they put they put the deputy in an ice bath, and Dougie steals a ring off of him 
and accidentally knock, knock some Epsom salts into the tub. Yes. And it ends up melting the deputy. Yeah. So I guess it like, it basically, so what we can assume is that it, the creature does this thing where it like attacks you with its tentacles and then you become encased in goo mm-hmm. and then you dissolve into nothing. But by putting the Epsom salts into the bath, he like sped the process up. Well, especially because I can imagine if the ice maybe stop the process, mm-hmm. melting the ice, which I'm assuming the salt would do, also yeah. probably sped it back along as well. Yeah. And also, if, if this creature thrives in seawater, I would imagine adding a bunch of salinity to That's it. That's what I mean. Definitely help things. Yeah, and anyway, um, Angela has to pee. <laughs> Angela has to pee. But How often have you heard that? A lot. It's, it's very true. I pee a lot. Um, and then she goes in there and finds that basically all that's left is his uniform. I think. Yes. Was it Mulder? No, no, she goes in there and she's peeing and she screams because she sees the creature in the tub with him. Oh, right. By the time they both go in, all they find is his clothing. Yeah, and who says the deputy went out with the bathwater? Is that Mulder? <laughs> I Mulder forget, or but Walter, it's funny. One it's of funny. Hers. Basically... Mulder ends up going out into the hallway, right? And he gets infected. Yes. Uh, and the militiaman shuts everyone else in with Scully basically yeah. being like, he's infected, we've got to keep him out of here. Yeah, also Mulder has this theory that the the creature doesn't just live in the water, but is a form of water. It is water. Yeah, so that you don't see it until it attacks, which is a little wild. Yeah, I think more so it's this idea of... I can understand, It's transparent, so you don't yeah, see it. It's more of like a predator thing, right? That he mm-hmm. was able to be invisible. Within water. And it's using, yeah, it is confirmed at this point also that it's using people to reproduce. So, yeah. gross. So, meanwhile, we sort of get like dual climaxes here. Well, I guess that makes sense because we're made of water. So, it's using our water content to feed it. I suppose so. So, that's probably why the goo is like surrounding it. It's like sucking your water out. And, and then you, and you just become like super dehydrated. Is it like dog calm all over again? Maybe. So, we see dual climaxes here mm-hmm. uh, as Mulder is like, you know, starting to turn. Meanwhile, Scully... Also, by the way, Mulder is attacked by the creature in the lamp, right? Yeah. You see uh, it... Yeah, out in the hallway. Yeah, you see it, like, in one of the... Like, a round ceiling lamp. And that is actually very, very scary to me because there used to be bugs in my ceiling mm-hmm. lamp at home. And it was yeah. icky, icky. So you have a fear of round lamps on the ceiling? No, of things in them. I'm not scared of the one in the room right now. Are you sure? Can't be certain of you anything. Never, you, you haven't made eye contact with it yet. Whoa! I'm very brave. Brave girl. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Scully, I'm surprised. It took us six seasons, but we finally have crossed the threshold in TV mm-hmm. where one character has to deliver someone's baby. Yeah, I find it wild that Scully has never delivered a baby in her career. That's what Fitzy said, too. Of, yeah, as the as the quote-unquote medical doctor that she has never delivered a baby at all. And I would say even within her work in the X-Files, it just feels like all the maladies and yes. adventures. I feel like it makes more sense that she hadn't up until the X-Files when like they just end up everywhere and everything happening all at once. But here it is. Yeah. And so basically while the baby's being born, the militiaman gets attacked mm-hmm. by another skylight tentacle and Scully tells Walter to shoot the sprinklers yes. because we'll find out after everything settled down and the hurricane settled that she discovered in that moment that because it was seawater yes. that it came from fresh water would be something to And that's why away. the deputy was okay until they put Epsom salt in the tub, because mm-hmm. that was a tub full of fresh water. I will say, though, pretty big conclusion to jump to. I mean, she just, she one plus one equals two. Get over it. No, this is more like one plus one plus X You're just not two. as intuitive as us of the female persuasion. I mean, that's incredibly true, but I still think it's a <laughs> big kidding. jump. Well, and she and Mulder are also, like, getting into an... Uh, it's an good that band. she, well, she realizes this, but Mulder comes to this conclusion on his own, kind of, because he runs out into the rain. Yeah, because basically what we see is him sort of, like, dragging himself out to the end where it seems like, I don't know, the wall has burst open. Yes. And he sees the cat in the rain. Yeah. And he personally puts it together like, oh, the cat was in the washing machine, so it didn't get attacked. And now it's raining. So let me apparently off screen go out into the rain so that the yeah. monster stops attacking me. Or uh, willing to heal what's happening to him already. Yeah. yeah. So either way, they they spar right as to like who should take credit for this epiphany. But either way, they're both alive here. 
They go back to Arthur Dale's to sort of, you know, recap everything. <laughs> yeah, do a postmortem happened. on the situation. And then Arthur Dale's asked, anyone for water? And they both say, no! And then you hear the, the laugh track come in. Yes. And the iris closes, and then the end comes across the screen. Um, but prior to that, Arthur Dale's says that he would never have left the FBI if he had an, a partner like Scully. Aww. Which I think is so cute. Yeah, I think it's, it's nice for him to show, you know, some, uh, some some fondness for them because mm-hmm. I remember in Travelers, right? He's yeah. more so just like, uh, yeah, I interacted with your dad, but I don't really have any affinity for you, mm-hmm. Fox Mulder. Yeah, so, so there yeah, you that, go. So that was Aguamala. It was you know a pretty good one-off episode. Uh, I know that that Spencer said that this is one of those antagonists that you're like, well, it got away. Will it ever come back? I'm assuming it doesn't. The tentacles monster? The water monster? No, you never hear. These so, are, this is a one-off. So I would imagine that this is like the... It, so got, one of those, it, it, got, it got sucked back out into the sea and now it's, it's just gone. on boats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, I read a little bit about the makeup of this, uh, that the monster itself was created by special effects uh, makeup supervisor, and he was tasked with making a super difficult thing. And he says the most difficult thing he did all season, that the tentacles were created out of a combination of silicone and urethane. Um, urethane and the octopus bite marks numbered in hundreds and required 90 minutes to apply. Oh, so it's yeah. 90 minutes to apply those little mar- marks. To put those little hickeys around everybody's necks. So weird. Yeah. Also, aguamala means bad water in Spanish. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't know why for some reason they're like, okay, we'll call this one chinga. We'll call this one. Well, aguamala. no, it's also, it's the slang name for Portuguese man of war, a venomous oh. jellyfish. Oh, and this creature kind of was a jellyfish. Yeah. So I think it's a. Uh, it's, it's meant to be that way. Well, we're going to move from the sea to the land, to the baseball diamond specifically, as we'll talk about the unnatural. But first, we're going to take a quick break, get a drink of water, fresh, not sea, and hear a word from our sponsors. Take me out to the X Files. You didn't like my like drink of water. I did. It was, <laughs> it was like the best five minute drink. We you also ever did. did take a break, and I thought about that the entire time we were taking a break. What drinking water? No, because you said I'm going to go take a drink of water while we yeah. take this break, and then I went. Ah, when I we love came it. Back. I unfortunately had my little. You had your little spiel done. My little song in my head. Anyway, talking talking baseball, talking about b-ball, not well, he played b-ball. This is a different type of b-ball. Oh, my God. Who cares? Well, I am surprised. Sports Uh, like much more of a basketball fan. He is. But this is also like I think the American dream is like very much so Mm -hmm. tied into like uh, the America's favorite pastime, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I think when you're talking about the 40s and you want to talk about sports, it's probably not going to be basketball. So we should say up top, this is like a soul creative endeavor from David Duchovny. Yes. He wrote it and directed it all on his own. Yeah, which is great. That's great. I mean, listen, I love when series give that opportunity to the stars, especially six seasons in. And I guess he had co-developed a few stories previously. So Colony um, and Asazi were both created by Chris Carter, but like he's like tell it he's credited um, on those. What is he like lean his head and like, oh, yeah, you should do that. Sure. But he said, like, prior to this season, he didn't have the confidence to write his own episode. And now he does have the confidence after moving back to L.A. And he should leave with that confidence as well, because this, as we said before, was mm-hmm. one of my favorite episodes. It's I think it's incredibly well done. And we start in the past. Yes. Uh, so it's 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 the past, but it's the scene we're going to see later on in the well, episode. Well, another point about the the um the creation of this episode is that. You wonder, like, why did he talk about this? And I guess, like, he <laughs> was doing some newspaper reading about a home run race in 1998 between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And then he read a report about Joe Bauman, who was a player who, despite hitting a record 72 home runs during the 1954 season, never played in the major leagues. And he thought, 
what if he was an alien? <laughs> Literally quoted saying that. As David Duchovny. And I just started you. working on those ideas. <laughs> wild. He's a wild person. Well, it's interesting. And then he took Jackie Robinson and kind of melded it with And that's that. the thing, is that much like Travelers sort of was an allegory on yes. McCarthyism, this is an allegory on, like, racism mm-hmm. and, and integration during that time, which is really um, cool. Yeah. And then we also see the tagline in the beginning. In the big inning. Yeah. <laughs> which I love. Oh, I love it so much. It's so funny. But we, we start off with this like nighttime baseball game. Yes. Uniforms are so thick. Love it. Uh, we get, you know, the, all the favorites, Moose, Piney. I did look up, I think Piney is played by David Duchovny's brother. Yeah, you did say that, but I didn't know which one, who was who, you know? Yeah, I think, I, I think Piney is the one, like the one with the glasses who... That's the one with the glasses, the pitcher, that's Moose. Okay, then maybe he was like the one on the side talking yeah. to Piney, or talking to Moose. Yeah, because Moose is like a very distinctive look. <laughs> Moose... Uh, Moose has some interesting, uh, I don't know. Is he? A, I like his vibe. Is Moose a superhero? Because how do you throw a baseball so fast it gets embedded into a cactus? Uh, great question. Is that cactus made out of? We're like, not. I would say we're not board? the. We're not the best. Um, we're not the best people to talk about cactuses. We live in the Northeast. I guess that's true, but it just feels like the. I don't know. It feels like a cactus has a hard enough exterior that you would think uh, it wouldn't be like corkboard, you know. I literally have no idea. All right, we'll see. Maybe some physics <laughs> experts will check in. Or some cactus us. experts. So this is when we get introduced to Exley. Exley. Played um, by Jesse L. Martin. Mm-hmm, which is, I don't think you noticed this right away. And I was like, that's Jesse L. Martin. You know that, right? Well, it's because he's clean shaven. You know, <laughs> where is, you, yeah. we are, the two of us are used to watching him on The Flash, where he's got a goatee. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's quite young here. He looks incredibly baby. And baby. I guess that um, to, to date this, um, he was considered for the part because Duchovny saw him in a production of Rent. I would assume the production of Rent. Yes, but like, uh, uh, whatever. He saw it and, um, he was, uh, he was like, yeah, I, I want that guy, I guess. And he felt like he was the right feel for the yeah. role. Well, listen, I think, I wonder if he, uh, if, I wonder if we'll talk about it later. Like this song that he writes, I wonder if that came before or after Jesse L. Martin was brought on board. Well, that's not a song that his, it's a, it's a known song. Yeah, but it's like, oh, oh, he'll sing. He'll sing in the episode. Exactly. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I can imagine a, a a smidge. But as Exley hits a home run, we'll find out later, right, that that's his record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the ball goes into the darkness and then pops back out. But then riding in on horses are the KKK. Yeah, this is a little wild because I do think that um, it's very sudden that the KKK arrive. <laughs> I mean, listen, like, it's it's weird to say. Because there's no date on the episode. They... Right, but I'm looking at the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I also think they're talking a bit. I think they do mention Jackie Robinson. They do. Time. Yeah, they do. Um, so you do know it's like around that time period. And they're in New Mexico. It's not like they're in the Northeast. Yeah, I, well, I am surprised, though, that like uh, for I know it, it's it the aired, South. I know, but I know it aired on Sundays, but like we get several drops of the n-word on a primetime show yeah i think this was more common back then though i think this was when he was like commonplace to use it in historical context mm-hmm. where it was you know obviously not not kosher to use it in regular talk but i do think that it was something for like historical purposes yeah it's like you know like i don't know what's an example of that that's not this but like when you say something that it you're like, oh, well, I'm just repeating what they said. Right. And it's like, that's still not okay to do that. And it I think is. that's more of a recent cognitive development in our psyche as humans. Right. Saying something just because it's been said can still have an effect. Right. And I don't think that was something we were sort of on the up and up with yet back but then. everyone here is woke. They, uh, they, Truly. De- they defend <laughs> Exley and the, well, his team in general. Yeah. Right? The black team known as the, the Grays. Well, I think, I think all of them. Grays. I mean, Moose starts, uh, chucking, Baseballs at those KKK yeah, Rob, members. Uh, Simon Birches, all the KKK members, knocks him out with baseballs, and specifically one that he hits right in the noggin and, and falls off his horse. They fall off his horse. <laughs> they fall off his hood, and it's just an alien it's head. Just an alien. I to say I flipped a shit. You did flip be a an shit. understatement. Yeah. Like, sometimes you have really loud reactions to things, and like this. I was, mean, I'm 
sorry when I found no, out that there not, are aliens in the KKK. Excuse me, no reason to apologize. I wasn't um doing saying it was bad. <laughs> I'm just saying we tend to watch these episodes at like 8 p.m. at night, which is like right after bedtime for Baby Boy Bloom. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like on the edge of my seat when you start like freaking out because I'm like, if this wakes that baby up, god damn it. Well, listen, I try to keep it as contained as possible. I know, you when just you, can't. You can't keep it in. when you find out that aliens are in the KKK. And that they're uh, involved in the baseball of it all. Yeah, we'll find out. I guess they're on both sides yeah. uh, in that regard. Meanwhile, and I was really surprised at this, I thought we'd spend the entire episode, sort of like what happened in Travelers. Yes, like back in, and in Triangle, that yeah, one episode. Back in the past. Uh, but instead, we cut forward to... Mulder hanging out, uh, Scully brings him this giant newspaper book. I've never seen one of these before. Yeah, so this is how they bind old newspapers and put them in archives. So, so if you ever like go, usually can't take them out of the library I, though. I but they more so use microfiche for that. They have that too, but there's there's bound versions of them, especially things like this that are not. Um, I guess like it's just baseball stats. Yeah, and Scully. <laughs> Stole it, but I wonder to your point, how was she able to get it out of there? Considering it's huge, it's gargantuan. I don't know. She's Scully, and she also stopped on the way home to get a tofu, tof- non-fat tofuti rice dreamsicle. It's disgusting. Uh, they, I think they like to make crack sometimes, right? At, yeah. Uh, oh, Scully is sort of like new age in the way that she's healthy. Yeah. So like she eats tofu and like uh, very nineties new agey eating habits. Yeah. So Mulder probably has a lot of rice cakes. Oh, very much so. That was very popular back (laughs) then. I know my mom had them all the time. Mulder says initially that he's like looking for any notable obituaries in New Mexico in the 40s for like Roswell reasons. Yeah. And he eventually, I don't think he's specifically looking at the box scores, but he says that he likes to do it, right? Well, so I think that, yeah, he's looking at 1940s newspapers at Roswell because he's like, oh, um, you know, it might be interesting. But yeah, well, he ends up looking at the box scores yeah. just because. And he we don't, notices. We don't have a big case this week. Might as well spend some time diving into newspapers from <laughs> so the 40s. So weird. And then that's why he has no life. And then they, he spots an article, basically, that shows young Arthur Dales. He notices yeah. him. I do like Mulder and Scully for lack of a better term, batting back and forth like yeah. proverbs to each other. Yes, it is always a little bit funny. There's Again, there's very little Mulder and Scully this episode, but there's some very good chemistry between them. Mulder also, like, I don't know, he's so uh, loving about the idea of a box score, uh, the Pythagorean theorem for mm-hmm. jocks. He's like, using it, you could recreate the circumstances just by seeing what happens. And she's like, get a life. <laughs> like, yeah. But she also starts the episode sort of like standing on a stool looking out the window of the office because she just wants to go outside because yeah, it's I mean, Saturday. And that's what she's telling him, like, get a life. Stop <laughs> watching baseball and reading up on scores from 50 years ago. Yeah, but he can't. He's Mulder. So Mulder goes to Arthur Dale's place what i we've noticed is like there's some sort of vagrant or vagabond outside who i thought was dead yeah no it's like there's a homeless person in that so i guess like arthur dales lives in like a slum yeah, like boonies awful um but yeah he meets arthur dales brother who's also named arthur dales it's again this and then we let it go and that's all the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> yeah and we we dived a little bit deep into that in the beginning so we don't need to to rehash it but um anyway he basically this m Emmett Walsh sort of character is amazing. Him waiting for his Chinese food, him just like holding up like weird trinkets in his apartment. Yeah, and and him sort of like when Mulder asks questions, he just sort of responds with yeah. random phrases. Yeah, like weird little like, like... you believe love can make a man shapeshift? <laughs> it's so weird. Um, but I like it. It's enjoyable. Yeah, he's, he's more poignant, I think I would say, than Dale's. And he out. basically asks... Mulder asks him, he's like, oh, so is this you or is this your brother in the thing? And he goes, well, coincidentally, it's me. Like, um, even though it looks exactly like me. Yeah. And he's like, it's, it's me. So I can tell you the story. And he basically starts flashing back to their first meeting, him and Exley in 1947. Right. So basically, Arthur Dale's, uh, so two what, Arthur Ar- Dales two is yes. a member of the Roswell Police Department. Yes. which is good that they actually did create him as a brother because was Arthur Dales one? Where was he at this time? Now we don't need to care about it. Yeah, there just happens to be two men around the same age who look exactly the same yes. in separate parts of the country. Yes, um, and basically he is being assigned to protect Exley because of the KKK situation right. we saw at the his beginning. Life is in danger, so he's going to essentially travel with the Roswell Grays, mm-hmm. and they love. Arthur Dales. Yeah, he's like their BFF. And so he gets along really well with them and he's it's all very fun. Yeah. And so Dales, though, is going to be he's going to be nice initially, but he's going to get a little perturbed by things. Like at one point, everyone's on the bus. 
He wakes up. Yeah. He looks at Exley sleeping and in his reflection as an alien. Yeah. So I guess um, he's reflected in the window as an alien, which I guess is something that's new. <laughs> so weird. So do all shapeshifters have the reflection of an alien? Because yeah, I feel like sure. we would have gotten was that. Was this like intuition from him? No, I think he's reflected as an alien. That doesn't make any sense. It's fine. We're moving it's past like, it. I guess that's like why vampires don't have reflections. Yeah. Like for some reason, reflections just make things weirder. Yeah. And there's also another weird instance where they, they're at a game the next day and he's hit by a, a baseball pitch and he starts like making strange like like speaking in tongues and he starts talking about uh making georgia and then he starts to bleed green blood well yeah so he starts like talking in tongues and then he returns to his senses and they ask him where he's from and he says making georgia and then dale notices there's like the green ooze on his his um his uh glove that his head was resting on so we should make a note here that arthur dales reveals to Mulder that all of the great baseball players are aliens. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is another, like, episode, though, where things are said, where you're like, what's true, what's not true? Yeah, it sort of reminds me of the Michael like McKean episode. Yes. It's like, oh, Saddam Hussein is actually an actor that they set up whenever Ye- they want to rattle the same. Yeah, so, like, what actually happened, what didn't happen, who's to say? I think that, you know, yes, maybe he was with this guy, Exley. Was Exley an alien? Who the heck knows? But I just love this idea, though, that all these aliens sought refuge in baseball. Yes. I guess because of their superhuman abilities. And yeah. The best baseball players alive. But we sort of have on the flip side here, Exley, who is a superhuman baseball player, but tries to stay under the radar because he doesn't want attention brought to the fact that he's playing baseball because he knows that the alien bounty hunter will come and And also, he just wants to be like everyone else. Uh, Yeah, and he knows he won't be able to continue to do that. (laughs) Here's something absolutely wild and frankly strange. So, Dales ends up getting his Chinese food delivery Mm -hmm. from, like, a kid who looks like a page boy. Yes, he does. He's wearing overalls, he's wearing a Newsies (laughs) hat, and then he's in the the, the 40s. He's the same boy. Throughout the entire episode, (laughs) there's this little boy who looks like a Newsie delivering Chinese food, playing around the baseball field. And also at the end of the episode, he's the boy who is pulling the trigger on the, the driving range machine. Yeah. Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Well, but like, so what, but, there's never any explanation. What, and I honestly don't even know. I mean, I guess my assumption is that this kid is ageless. I think I'm not even sure what it's supposed to mean. Like, who, cause it's nobody. This, this is like, and those Michael McKean episodes. Like, is, where they he, did, where is they did the this. kid an alien too? I would, I guess so, but like, I don't know. This reminds me of the end of those, those, the dreamland stuff where mm-hmm. Scully, they went back in time and Scully still has the, the fused together coins. Like, yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah. But it, I guess it's just a fun little quirk. But yeah, this was wild. Cause initially when he, was you know in the 1990s i'm like this kid does not look like he fits in this does not look like a child from the 1990s and it's because he's wearing literally the exact same outfit from when he was in the 30s um yeah honestly i'm i'm looking at it now and i i can't find anything about it so we'll have to if anybody knows out there or has any theories about what he might yeah i'm assuming but i did just read the secret of this kid later on i did just read something fun that um the uh Basically, the um, Los Angeles Los Angeles Dodgers radio announcer Vin Scully mm-hmm. played the baseball announcer in this episode. Oh, that's fun! I'm glad and, they were able to recruit him. And that was Scully's uh, name for her inspiration for her name. Apparently, wait, really? Yeah, it said whose name served as the inspiration for Dana Scully's name. So wait, wow! So Chris Carter must really be a baseball fan. I guess He's so. Naming someone after an announcer. Yeah, and so um, David's brother appeared in this episode minor role as a bench jockey. So he's in a bench jockey. I don't know. Anyway, we should, we should also note at the game they're uh, they're dipping AF. Yes, they are dipping AF. Dip is so gross. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have a big league chew though? When they tried to like make yes, a I, out of it? I we used to love big league chew. It was always fun. So to just eat. think of that, but with tobacco, it's not the same. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure it's not the same. So after the 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 ramblings of Exley, Dale's is going to be like something's not up. Let me call mm-hmm. Making Georgia. See if they know this guy and someone who happens to pick up. It's an alien bounty hunter. Yeah, and you didn't recognize this guy at first, but I recognize him because he's like in the... I've told you this a few times. This actor plays bad guys in all these 90s television shows. He's Mm -hmm. played like four bad guys on Charmed. Like he plays a bad guy and stuff. That's his thing. Um, So I feel like I recognize him right away. And I was like, oh yeah, that guy. So Exley tries to sort of like, 
you know, uh, tamper down all the attention around him. Mm-hmm. Dale's thought that people were pulling out guns on Exley, but it turns out it was just water guns they were squirting at the people in front of them, which is frankly rude. Yeah, and also, like, I I do recall back in the 90s being able to get water guns that looked like guns. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So I do feel like if that was the case then, it was probably the case for a long time before then. That would be something now that would be real bad. <laughs> very, very bad. Thank God for, like, that neon orange that has now become <sighs> mandatory on all water guns. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, but either way, it, he basically is, like, embarrassed, and, and Noctis like, oh, I saw B on you, which yeah, is and, funny little but thing to and say. And so Exley sort of, like, tanks the game a bit, at least doesn't do as well as expected, and Dales calls him out yeah. on it. And Dales goes to confront him in his hotel room that night and just finds an alien. In a bathrobe. In a bathrobe, which is Oh God, what a re- truly ludicrous So, image. yeah, it's really wild, but it's also confusing to me as to why the alien, first of all, is going out of his human form. Does he need to do that? I don't know if he needs to do as much as he's like, okay, I'm, I can like let, let my hair let down. Let loose. And then why is he in a bathrobe if nobody's coming in? Like, why not just maybe be naked? Maybe he's used to wearing clothes. And maybe he he's just a little feeling. chilly. I mean, we know that Exley wants to be human or at least like be associated yes. with being human. So maybe mm-hmm. he wants to have as much of a human experience as possible. Yeah. And so basically like this is where, um, Exley tells, uh, Dale's sort of the story of him. And it's, and it's weird life, because I guess. Jesse L. Martin's voice coming out of this alien body. <laughs> yes. The alien body sort of does, I don't know, like puppet maneuvering. Yeah, like, like up like, and down, up and down. Up, yeah, no lips. So mm-hmm. like, it's like, ah, 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 ah. And to have his voice come out of an alien is so odd. Yeah, and basically he tells this story about how he came to Earth and was forbidden from like intermingling with the human race, but he fell in love and he's like, oh, with a girl? And he's like, no, with the love of the game. Um, and he remained on Earth to, to play baseball, which yeah. is wild. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and meanwhile, he's also going to show that like his shape shifting skills are uh, multitudinous. Yeah, so he in, turns into a hot blonde chick in her underwear. And Dale's a lap dance. So I guess he must have heard somebody coming because somebody walks in uh, on him at that point and then they see just a, a girl in, in Dale's lap. So they like, Shut like, oh, boy, all right, let's not intrude on this guy. He's getting yeah. lucky. Oh, and he says, this is when we hear him say, actually say that he becomes a, a black man because he doesn't want to attract attention by playing in the major league. So when a, a black man weren't allowed to play in the majors, that's why he chose that. But now that, you know, the whole game is, yeah, yeah, it's all happening. It's, you know, it, it it's uh, messing things up, which is why he has to play poorly in that game because the, the scouts show up. Yeah, and you see sort of the the camaraderie he finds yeah. as well. Like they're his like, buds. Yeah, like we mentioned before, there's that scene on the bus where he gets brought in to like sing with everyone. Mm-hmm. Which, aside from getting an opportunity for Jesse Elmar, it's to really sing, nice. It's very like um, poetic. Yeah, and it makes him feel like he did find his home to the yes. point that he was making. Right yeah. of how he didn't. Ironically enough, he felt alien being. Yeah, an alien. he felt alien being an alien. Um, but he's alien being. Um, he now he's a human who's a segregated from other humans, so it's it's all it's all terrible. So meanwhile, a scientist uh, w- yes. is examining. Well, so yeah, previously Arthur Dales has this glove with green ooze on it, and he asks one of his like I would guess a CSI people, right? Yeah, I would imagine um, some some guy in a lab coat, some fifties version of a CSI um, to examine the glove, and he comes back to tell Arthur Dales that it's like there's no substance found, whatever. Yeah, well. Exley comes in right uh, at the lab. Oh, but this is after he tells Dales that he found some some creepy shit. I think I think so. Yeah, because he the the guy tells Dales that he found something weird, and then Dales is like he calls him on the phone, and he's just like, "Oh no, forget about it. Just uh, bring me the glove when you can." Right, and, and then we see Exley. Right, and so that, but, it, but it's not Exley; no. it's the alien bounty hunter, and he kills him <laughs> to frame him essentially. Yeah, uh, because we, that's the reason why we we end up getting sort of like. Going our separate ways for a hot second, where mm-hmm. actually he said he had a chat with his family and he said it's time to go home. Yeah. Uh, and then Dales ends up, I guess, getting kicked out of the police force for essentially like not pursuing the lead and not ratting out Exley. Right. Because they think that Exley killed this guy. He's wanted by the police and he has to go into hiding. Um, and then that's when we hit the beginning of the episode. Yeah, emphasis on hit because basically now Dales is going to like race out. To, you know. to find Exley because yep. he knows he's in trouble. But it's too late. Yeah. He gets poked. He gets poked in the back of the neck by the bounty hunter. Yeah, because he says that you're threatening the entire project by sort of like being out in the open. 
Um, what's weird at the end here is that he bleeds human red blood. Yeah, so, but I find this really beautiful, though. It is, yeah. You know, uh, he says he refuses to show his quote-unquote true face that, like, this is the way he wants to die. He wants to Well, yeah, because the bounty hunter's like, turn to your true form, and he's like, nah. Yeah, he he wanted to live as a human, and he dies as a human, which is, like, the, the poetic you know, meaning. And he, yeah. he like laughs tearfully uh, because this is all that he wanted was to feel mm-hmm. like he, he was a human that he was, you know, burdened with maybe not uh, unburdened with from the pressures, but like burdened with different pressures, uh, at least ones that totally. he escape. And so it's, it was, a, it's a really sad, you know, small way to finish off this storyline. I still don't know why he's bleeding red blood. No, I think it's just supposed to be poetic. I don't think it's supposed to mean anything other than like, maybe he actually turned into a human at the end, you know? But there's this really, really great sequence to end Mm -hmm. the episode where first it's, it's backed up throughout by the Greys singing the song that they were singing on the bus. I really like the dissolve that they do where, you know, Dales does that like no thing and looks to the sky and then it dissolves into the older Arthur Dales who is crying and still looking up. Like clearly him thinking about this has had a profound effect to him. Yeah. I mean, I think that he had like a very emotional relationship with him and then he died. And so Mulder is now going to be at the diamond He's wearing a Grays jersey. Uh, I like this look. It's cute. Yeah, and he's and he's just long sleeve under a jersey. Uh, and so Scully gets called down uh, as for a quote unquote emergency, but basically it's just uh, so that she could hit some balls around with him. Yeah, and I think this is good for Scully. She needs to let loose a little, get out some aggression. Well, that's what Mulder's saying, right? Yeah. Like, oh, when you swing away, you get to like get rid of all your problems for a second, or like take out your aggression mm-hmm. on everything that's going on. Yeah, totally. And it's cute. I think that obviously it's an episode that doesn't have a lot to do with Scully, both due to the setting and the fact that like it is really yeah. older focused in that regard. But I think it's a cute way to sort of bookend things yeah. with, with Scully showing up and Mulder being like, let's let us find common ground through the art of batting. Yeah, totally. And I like it. It's cute. I like when they like are friendly with each other. Yeah, I really like this episode. I think like with Travelers, it was a strong way and thematic way to talk about extraterrestrials and how we alienate humans as well. I think Jesse L. Martin is just, he oozes charm. And I think he brings that to Exley as well. Mm. I think it's a really sad tale, but like almost heartwarming at the same time, given the way that everything ends. I think that the, like the visual design of the episode is great with like everything they did with the forties. Look, the Arthur Dales 2.0 stuff is sloppy and stupid, but I can forgive all that if it produces just like such a good episode. Yeah. Well, I also read a thing where I guess so the original Arthur Dales does recover from his stroke. He doesn't die. Oh, good. Which is the actor. And so they I guess it's a bonus feature on the DVD. You can watch the scenes that he filmed. So we'll have to check my DVDs. Okay, yeah. Were they just like the few scenes that he Yeah, filmed? that he already filmed. They just put them as a bonus deleted scenes on the, the DVD. Interesting. I'd be intrigued to see we if... We should it, go look at some of these deleted scenes on the DVDs. Perhaps, if we're able to, if we have the time and where we're I also don't know if my um my junky Chinese discs That's have true. deleted yeah, scenes on them. It's region unlocked. Uh, no, they're all region unlocked. I just don't know if they just have episodes or not. All right, we should we shall see. We'll take a look and, and maybe we'll report back on deleted scenes. I wonder how if there are deleted scenes for every episode. That's what I'm like, saying. We have to look. Well, we have to look. We have to check it out. I'd be intrigued to see if Arthur Dale's 1.0, like how he delivers the same lines as Arthur Dale's 2.0. Mm. Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> evidently, we'll check back. We'll do some uh some homework outside of the show and come back next week. But we'll add it on top of the other homework we've got going on. Because, Angela, we have two more season six episodes to talk about next week. I'm so excited. So we went 11-12 last week. We did 13 this week. Let's say we keep continuing on season six. Next week is season six, episode 14, Monday. And season six, episode 15, Arcadia. Yeah, these are great episodes. I'm pretty excited. Monday is a time-oriented episode. Whoa! Some timey-wimey stuff going on there. That's fun. And Arcadia is where uh, Amber Tamblin, right? She 
It's a, Joan, it's a Joan of Arcadia reference. Oh, okay. I've never seen that. Um, but I was like, what are you talking about? Um, but no, it's a, um, kind of like a Stepford Wives situation, I think. Oh, that's the vibe we got there. Weird. Okay. That sounds fun. So we've got those two going on. Two more Monster of the Week episodes, which should be very exciting. Of course, if you have thoughts about it, you know what to do. Bloom files at postshowrecaps.com, X files at postshowrecaps.com. At Ange Palagi, at a Mike Bloom type, at Post Show Recaps in general. We're going to be back next week, continuing on our season six travelers with Monday and Arcadia. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Corey B for his theme song. We're off to watch some deleted scenes. Until next week, case closed.